I have signed and am issuing a declaration of emergency. This declaration is an important tool that will advance measures to mitigate and ultimately contain COVID-19. I want to stress that declaring a state of emergency is not a reason to panic. But if you have been planning an event for almost a full year, this just might be the time to panic. Welcome to episode two of RC Truck Talk. Today, I am talking to Jason Johnson, co-organizer of the 2020 Scale Nationals RC event in Las Vegas, Nevada. Let's get started. My opening question to you, Jason, would be, for those of us that are new to the hobby, could you tell us what exactly Scale Nationals is and its significance in the world of RC crawling? So Scale Nationals, the best way I've ever heard it put is the olympics or the super bowl for cone dodging for the scale world when i say cone dodging it's a competition obviously you have gates set up for courses and lowest score through the courses amongst multiple courses a day win i think because sorka was the first to put a rule set or one at least one of the first to put a rule set for the scale rigs it ended up making scale nationals the the first version of dodging cones at least that i know of in the scale world and there's a big group of us i'd say probably 40 head strong of i don't want to call myself an old timer and date myself but of uh old guys that have been doing this for for probably i don't know 10 15 years and it's it's the one event that everybody goes to and it now i mean that was go back 10 years there wasn't so many scale events or scale competition events every year there was only a few but it's it's still even though you have more events nowadays which is great i love going to all of them but i still scale nationals is at the top of the list of the one that i want to make every year and so many of us do that because it, it like i said it's my super bowl even even if i'm not going myself to win i'm still going to meet everybody and see everybody and it's friends that you don't get to see but that one time a year and it's the one event that you know all of us are rooting and trying to go for it that's probably the biggest aspect of scale nationals other than the competition side of it that i'll never not go because yeah. it's i want to go see all my friends so there's a whole social aspect to it as well as, as, oh, as the definitely, competition definitely. yeah yeah definitely so the scale nationals this was originally set for march 2020 which was the same month that covid19 was officially declared a pandemic so how did that play out for you oh i wish people could see my face right now many many sleepless nights for everybody that was traveling along with us through the live feeds they saw my uh facial expressions and verbal comments about it in a nutshell, we were, we, I want to say we were two weeks away from go day from actually doing Ouch. it and Nevada put us into a state of emergency, which at the time I want to say there was three other states that had done the same. So we were hoping we were going to fly under the radar and make it through and I'll be good. And then things would blow up right afterwards. But no, they put us in a state of emergency. And I don't know if I, other than my local guys ever really talked about it, but I'm prior military. I just retired. And at the time being military, I, after 20 years of service, I, I sort of knew what the military was going to do. I knew that they were going to put us on lockdown. I knew that they were going to restrict our movements. And so it was a horrible night because uh, I did most of the live feeds at four o'clock in the afternoon. So I did that, got off of that. I usually, I don't usually watch the news anyway, but we've got a group chat with our, our local guys and they were blowing it up because the governor did what he did. And then I immediately got on the phone with Scott Carthorn, the other guy that was a, the co-host that helped do everything. And I was like, bro, we got to talk because this is not going to be pretty right there on the back. What, what else are we going to do? I mean, we weren't, we weren't the first event to postpone. So we had seen the other ones do it. And as much as we didn't talk about it because we didn't want to jinx it, we, we both sort of in the back of our mind knew it was coming. So an hour after I got off a live feed for a sponsor showing off all the swag that they had given for the raffle, I had to go back on and I I was irate. You put all that hard work because at that point it had been almost a year of planning, of organizing and all that jazz and coming together. And then this happens. And that was just the start of it. it that, was, that was the first postpone. We pushed out till November of the same year just sort of as, I don't want to say a dice throw, but it was, nobody knew what was going on. Nobody knew what would happen. Right. So we didn't want to push for a full year if we didn't have to. So we're like, okay, well, fingers crossed. Surely everything will be good by the, by the end of the year. And 
And we pushed till November. We, I did all the same processes again. Luckily on the planning side, everybody, because it being a pandemic and because it being so new, all the organizations were, were really easy to work with, but I still had to do everything all over again for November. It wasn't as bad time-wise. I want to say we were a month and a half out, two months out. And it was BLM that sort of kicked us this time because there was a another event happening in the same area at the same same park space even though we wouldn't have been anywhere near each other they didn't quite understand that and they canceled us and let them do their event because of seniority because they've been doing the same event out there for i don't know 10 years right so we got bumped that time then uh blm is bureau of land management yes so, so it was a funny setup and the fact of I think everybody does it that hosts nationals. They want it to be at an epic location. They want it to be somewhere that's not just endless rock, but great scenery, so on and so forth. And for us here in Vegas, our spot is is Logandale Trails. The the type of rock, red rock that it makes, the sandstone is gorgeous. It is it gives you crazy canyons and all that jazz and, and even scale size canyons and caves. And for us, I didn't know until doing all the organization that it's under BLM rule, but it just so happens to partially be under our on state park land. Doing all the paperwork and the permitting was told and shown on the map. If, if you don't go over here, if you don't use this area, then you don't need to deal with the state park. And then a month out from the very first date, get told, oh, by the way, you do have to deal with a state park. And uh-huh. oh, the state park wants money also. So it was just more headache and hassle and jumping through hoops for them because as a state park, their hands are tied as far as the, the rangers and the workers are. They, right. they All they can do is tell me what they need, but why they need what they need. Like I had to get a business, business permit. Well, why do I need a business permit? I've never, or a business license, excuse me. I, I've, I have no reason to have a, a license. The, what, what do you need this for? And they couldn't, there was questions they couldn't answer because they didn't make those rules. They just sort of work under the rule. Right. And it's not a normal thing for a state park to deal with. But so, yeah, that was a, that was a huge jump through hoops kind of scenario that happened last minute. But yeah, it was, that was a, a pain in the butt in itself. So you actually had to do the permitting process twice. Yes, sir. I had to do I had to do it do it for two different agencies. And in essence, I had to do it three different times because of the postponed. <laughs> so which wasn't hard. Once you do it the first time around, second time's easy. Like I said, they were yeah. all super, super easy to work with, other than the the last time around, which is a, a whole other story into itself. It wasn't that bad of a, a process, if you will. Like the other pieces of it were more painful than the actual permit the permit was about as straightforward as you could get yeah and then we postponed the first time because we got like i said got kicked into the state of mercy postponed the second time because blm basically put their foot down and said can't have that many people in that small of an area blah 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 and if you don't get me into what my attitude mouth went off as because it's like <laughs> we're outdoors what do you mean that's come on now but it was at that point it was like okay i'm frustrated but it's it is what it is let's keep pushing so we we postponed from November. I let it sit through the holidays is what I what ended up happening. I sat back and I was like, okay, here's here's what I'm telling BLM and State Park. I want to do it next March. I want to push it one full year. But let after that, let's sit on it is what me and Scott decided until after Christmas and all that stuff kicked. And around middle of January is when we started looking at okay, what is the government doing? What is what is the governor doing? Because it's at this point pretty easy to tell which side of the, the game he's on and what are other states doing? What is, what is the whole outlook looking like? It, that's when places slowly started, I don't want to say opening up, but they started rolling back. Yes. They started coming back and, and, and lessening the, how bad they were locked up and locked down or, and whatnot. And that was the whole way through. There was always people that said, well, it's a pandemic. We shouldn't be doing this. We shouldn't be doing that. But there was still people saying, well, we should, we want to. So we knew we had people wanting to come out regardless. But it looked, it, it, we rolled back at that point, or right before, it was either right before or right after the holidays. I can't remember. Nevada rolled back. So we were like, hey, we're golden. Announced it. Okay, let's push for, for March again. And <laughs> good old governor, he put us under what he called a pause, which just infuriated me because he basically, he rolled us back to where, 
everything was less strict. And then he said, oh, we're not going back into lockdown, but all the rules are going to be the same as lockdown. And it was only supposed to last a month and it lasted three months. And during that, because it being the first of the year and whatnot, we got closer and closer to, to March. I don't want to say I was freaking out, but I was getting more and more irritated because I started knocking on office doors, calling, sending emails and trying to figure out, okay, obviously nobody knows when he's going to release us, when he's going to let this out because he's already pushed it back twice now, but uh, somebody's got to at least have an idea. And then, oh, by the way, there's nothing in any of the Nevada guidelines that we fell under as an RC crew. I'd play the card game. I, I'd call these people up that were either on a, on a COVID mitigation team or committee, or there was even a couple of political seat holders that I, I got the, the, the joy of talking to on the phone and they would ask the question. They'd go down their checklist. And I'm like, nope, nope, nope. None of that. Fall, <laughs> don't fall under any of that. And I was like, oh, by the way, all your paperwork, all your online listing also says that a large group function that is not allowed to happen right now is 250 or more people. I'm under that. So at the time, as it was going on, I'm just sitting there stacking the deck in our favor going, look, I, I, we don't fall under any of this stuff. So do I even have, can I still do it? Or can't I? And nobody wanted to give an answer. And yeah. I fought and fought and fought and fought and fought. And finally, it was, I can't think of the, the young lady's name, but it was, a, she's basically on the chair for the off-road areas, if you will, vehicles and all that good stuff for the state. She was the one that made the right, basically punched the right people and got me the answer of no. While we're in pause, you can't do it. Nobody wants to come out and give you the answer because obviously nobody, it's all this is new. Nobody really, they, they feel like they don't know the answer, but it, it, she at least got us the answer. So that was okay. Oh, well, since you told me no, let me ask you now, this pause is supposed to get released in like seven days. Once that pause is released, we're good to go. Yes. Okay, perfect. That's, now we're making somewhere. Now we're getting right. progress. And that's, that's, <laughs> Basically, it, it so there was a good month right there during that pause that this is this is literally all I did was just bang on doors trying to get those answers and figure oh it out gosh. because I'm not the type of person to just let it sit to the wayside. I, I right. I'm gonna find I'm gonna find an answer. She she helped out. We got that the pause got lifted, and I I think at least for me and Scott, it was a huge sign of relief. Oh, but then at the same time, it was okay. We've gone a year. This is the third, third round. What's next? What's going to happen next? Like it's, there was, there was definitely a couple phone calls of, of us sort of bouncing ideas off each other. The, the month prior of, okay, well day of what if, what if BLM says this, what if state park comes out and says that, or tells us we can't do this. And I was right. just like, man, I can, what if this thing till the cows come home? Sure. I don't care. I, I, I don't care. I'm going to take it all in stride and roll with the punches. Yeah. And let them after this long and this much hassle, let them come at us and tell us anything. I don't care. At this point, we can deal with everything. A blessing from all of it. There's Logandale Trails is in a, a very rural town about 45 minutes outside of uh, Vegas. And right across the street is our county fairground. And originally, Scott and I picked the dates of March and then early March and all that off of uh, Almanac and a bunch of weather hunting, trying to figure out when we would just miss our wet season and definitely not be into the heat because of course Vegas gets, it'll, it'll get 110 degrees easy. And it just so happened that we picked the wrong, <laughs> the wrong month because that's also when the, 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 the fairgrounds is handed over to the committee for the state fair. Well, that last time around, as soon as it came out of pause, they announced that the state fair was, was canceled. And I, that was, I was, six o'clock news is what I heard it on. So the very next morning at eight 30 in the morning, I was on the phone to the state fairgrounds going, Hey, I just heard y'all canceled. Can, uh, can I rent out some space out there? And they were like, Oh yeah, definitely. I was like, yeah, I knew y'all <laughs> want to make money. So yeah. And that, that one, that was honestly probably one of the biggest hassles for Scott and I was trying to find us an event space for 150 people, probably, I don't know, you, you take 100 people times three, so 300 rigs and the space to be able to put those on a table and lay them out and all that jazz. And 
and then you throw COVID into the mix and you want to be able to social distance and all that jazz and have room in between each other. Fairgrounds worked out perfect for all wow. of us. It was match made in heaven. It was a perfect space because there was so much room. Everybody right. loved that little spot. But but yeah, so it three times around till we finally get us <laughs> on the all in the same area to go play with toy trucks. So then you actually scheduled for March 21. So you're almost like a full year. It was, it was, it was literally a, an, I want to say an exact year because of course the dates slip every year because of the leap year and all that jazz. I think we were on the same weekend, just the following year. So two years, two years in the works. And it was, it, it, it was one of the best feelings I've had in a long time to be in front of everybody on Friday and out on Logadale be like, so we've all waited this long. Welcome <laughs> to Scale Nationals and Bates. <laughs> I think the, the yes and no through the COVID time must have been a very stressful episode. Oh, yeah. It was, you know, I mean. I, I understand I, why. I mean, it's. Stress-wise, I'm not special by any means. But I think prior military and everything definitely plays into my mentality and how I deal things, deal with things and stuff like that. So there was plenty of sleepless nights. There's plenty of times of your, your mind just going 90 miles an hour and you not, you trying to come up with every solution to all these questions that you'll probably never have to even answer. On the flip side of it, it was to me and how I was, I've worked for the last 20 years in the military was just get it done, figure it out. Right. Like literally just that, like I said, it was a, it was a blessing in the skies to be retired and have the ability to just bang on doors. Yeah. That's literally what it came down to that last time around. Every time before that, the answers were given to us. But that last yeah. time around, there was, there, it, like I said, I had to fight for answers. I don't think they had them. You know, I think it's so exactly. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Talking to the group that did their event in November that were allowed to, the restrictions were basically null and void. Like, yeah. yes, there was all these restrictions that the the government and the local government threw down, but nobody came out to enforce them or check on them and whatnot because it was still so new. And it was like, well, man, why couldn't we get it done <laughs> and be done with it? But I mean, at the same time, we didn't have any problems with any of it this last time around. It, yeah. it worked out. That side of it was a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. It was definitely fun. It was it was a, a long, strange trip, to say the least. <laughs> I'm sure. I mean, it's glad your persistence paid off. I would think if that you hadn't been banging on those doors, you wouldn't have got the answers you needed. No, I don't think we would have either. It's it literally because I'm guessing most states sort of all did the same thing to some extent. But uh, there was a COVID COVID mitigation committee, I think was the name of something along them lines. And I blew up their email and I blew up their phone too. And of course, nobody ever answered the phone because everybody was working from home and all that. But I blew up their email as soon as all that stuff first kicked off. It wasn't until the week, two weeks prior to the to us actually having the event this past March that I got a reply back. And I, they were like trying to tell me, oh, no, you can't do this. And you have to do this and all this other extra stuff. And I just emailed them back. And it's like, here's my phone number if you'd like to call me. Uh, we're good to go per this person forwarded the emails on and blah, blah, blah. Oh, okay. never mind. And it's like, yeah, that's, that's what I thought. Come on now. Don't, don't, don't come up here in the 11th hour giving me this crap. But yeah, it was, which a lot of it, like I said, even the, the last committee that finally, once the, the pause was raised, it was, it wasn't a question of, could we do it? It was a question of, would we fall into a large group category and all this jazz sitting on the phone with some of these people and explaining them. We're playing with remote-controlled rock crawlers. We're not running. We're just on the rocks. And a remote control. What is? What do we need? It's it's a toy that you steer with the remote. Like I had to break it down for, and some right. people just started asking hundreds of questions. And I'm like, does it does it matter? Like, does that does that change whether or not you're gonna say yes or no? <laughs> <laughs> but it was definitely yeah. Like I said, it was a long, strange trip. But it was I, I'd do it again. Even yeah. even if I if I walked into it knowing. COVID's going to hit again, or we're going to hit another brand new pandemic and so on and so forth. I'd do it again. So you're all set for March 21. What actually constitutes the scale nationals? It's a three-day period? Three-day period. Yes, sir. So in a nutshell, it's usually, it's always been a Friday, Saturday, Sunday to help with travel. And uh, most of the time you have a a pre-registration slash concourse on Thursday night, somewhere either at the event site or a lot of places, they'll use the same event space that they're going to use for awards on Sunday. And 
concourse is basically everybody that's either there early or there in time you bring your rigs out you go ahead and you, you take them in that way you don't have to worry about it the, the morning of for each class and all the rigs get thrown out on tables and there's a list of either 12 or 14 categories that all the other drivers vote on so like best in paint or uh, best in show for each class and you got like best paint best tube work uh, most scale item is always a funny one. I've seen some some very odd things for, for most scale items or best scale item, but it's just different categories that, that all the drivers, if you will, all the competitors vote on. It, then it, again, it's it, like I said earlier, it's your meet and greet time. So it's the first time, unless you've ran into a couple people, because a lot of times we're always all stay at the same hotel. Um, unless you run into your friends, it's the first time you've seen your friends in a year. So you you end up standing around, mingling, talking, hanging out. You get your driver's bag, your shirt, get it all out of the way. And then you you break into the comp for the next three days. So Friday's always class one, the small tired rigs. Then Saturday's class two and Sunday's class three. There, there used to be a little change in pace of Sunday used to be the TTC to where it was literally, if you, you Google or look up the, the full size rigs TTC event, it's the, it was an exact replica. Tim Samuels, uh, the Utah boys, Crawlspace, they all hosted in years past, put on great events. It's just sort of died down building that type of rig has sort of died down the last couple of years. So it's allowed us to do one class a day versus having to do two classes in a day. So you have a whole day just for TTC. And then some, depending on the host, depending on the event, some places do a more of a G6 style foot race, if you will. And it's usually called the King of. And then of course the rest of it, like for us was King of Logandale. The name just sort of goes off the area. And that's usually more of, like I said, a foot race. Like we did. So like, a, like the ultra fives, okay? The ultra well, it's not, kind of. yes and no. It's so the first one I went to, which is why I, I, as soon as they, we were asked to host, I was like, we are doing that again. Cause I haven't seen it in the last two or three years done. I think mostly it hasn't been done because, well, let's think about this. It was 10, 12 years ago that I was at my first event and I did it. And yeah, I'm, I'm 12 years older. It's a little harder to run with these things than it used to be, <laughs> but, but it, it, that's probably my fondest memory. One of my fondest memories for my first scale nationals was the King of St. Lucia in Washington, because I met friends that I'm still our best friends with today. Guys that I, I text every day and talk to on the phone once a week from just that, that King of Lucia event. Wow. Um, but it is, it, it's not, it is a running event. If you will, like the, the two guys that won King of, of Logandale, they, they blew my mind because they were sprinting like the whole Freaking! It had to be more than a 5K for distance-wise, because one of our locals, Matt Wolf, set it up, and he set up countless versions of that kind of event, our G6 trail run or whatever you want to call it, wow. um, over the years, and he's really good at it. And it, it there's enough rocks spread out at Logandale that he he had them not just going through the rock, but he had them running through the brush and and going to it. And when when I did it a couple of times, because I did it in Utah way back when, and then of course, like I said, my first one in Washington, I didn't, I started off trying to run, but you very quickly get caught up by the rocks or this, that, and the other. I mean, in, in Washington, it was the the trees and the dirt and all this kind of stuff. So it there wasn't a whole lot of running. It was more <laughs> me trying to just get the rig to do what I wanted it to back then. But I mean, these guys this time around, yeah, they were they were huffing it to the extent of when they came by, Matt set up a zigzag with surveyor's tape right by the vent tent. And these guys are coming through and some of them are just, just sweating and pouring down and they are just beat red. And it's like, you've only been doing this for 20 minutes. Dude, get some water here. I'm sitting here handing out waters like it's a marathon <laughs> of these guys. I'm like, stop, drink. You're going to pass out. I was like, don't you do this to me. I was like, you better make it back here. <laughs> but so, yeah, you got that. Of course, we couldn't do a TTC here in Vegas because of the inability to have mud. You can't make mud in this, this town very easily. We've tried. But that's another event that I love. It's just sort of, like I said, the building that style of rig has sort of fallen off in the last couple of years. And then Sunday, after everything's said and done, you have awards. It's sort of become the trend that as soon as we're done 
with class three, because class three tends to be a smaller group I and mean, you can get through the heads quicker on the courses. As soon as class three is done, we, we knock out awards. So we're not there till 11 o'clock on a Sunday night, but, and then awards, you got the awards for all the different classes. There's also a huge amount of sponsor support for the raffle. And I want to say I, our raffle was probably the biggest and I think we were 12, 14 tables, six foot tables, long, full of stuff. But it, it, that's another big thing about nationals that everybody sort of come to, to know and love is it's got so much support from the, the sponsors that it, everybody goes home with something. And I, but by something, I mean something good. Like yeah. everybody goes home with a decent motor and ESC setup or a brand new chassis setup. There's been events I've gone to in the past. A lot of people don't go home or even if you do go home, you might just have like some scale toys, which is cool. I'll, I'll take it. My kid loves all that kind of stuff. But scale nationals, everybody goes home with something good. Like we gave away so much stuff. And we got to the point that we were having to like stack stuff on top of stuff and just throwing shirts out into the crowd kind of idea because it was like, We've been doing this for almost two and a half hours. Come on. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's sort of it in a nutshell. Three-day event. Usually it's somewhere between, depending on the class, 60 to, to 80 heads minimum for the class. And then wow. uh, we had, I think, us and then Washington, when Washington hosted this last time around two or three years ago, they were up there pushing pushing 100 heads also for class two. So wow. it can it can definitely get up there. But it's... At some point, you got to cut the the head count off because you can only get so many heads through so many courses in a day, kind of idea. So, how many courses do you run in a day for for each class? Uh, normally, it's four courses, and then you'll take if, if you can get the scores done in time. Which I think every one I've been to, we have you run a finals course for the top five. So then they've got a chance to then further their score. You don't, you keep all your scores of the day, but you can further your score if scores are close enough. You can definitely see a couple places change depending on the day yeah but it's also a good time i personally like finals because i want to haggle the guys that are in the top five i don't i don't really care if they jump places i don't i none of that bothers me i just want to haggle i want to sit back because i mean it's i think in new mexico when i helped build class three finals and then again and how i had them set it up in in ours at logandale there's a fine line between having the crowd too close and then having them too far away where they can't really see what exactly is going on. And it's hard to do, but you just got to be close enough that you can haggle them and you can yell at them. Now, granted this time around, I was too, (laughs) I was exhausted. So I just sort of sat back and smiled and laughed, but I mean, it is definitely, I know New Mexico, I was, I was yelling at them (laughs) just giving them crap. And it's, it's always a fun time. Yeah, because it's your top four. They are your top five. So they they've got their they've got their mess together. They that they, they did what it took to get there. So they definitely know how to keep a calm head. They know how to control their truck. So it's it's always fun to sit back and watch. In my opinion. Give me a winch. Progress four clear. I think it was hard to express in yesterday's video how difficult those courses were. Last one courses were extremely tough. Probably some of the, the hardest courses I've driven on in a very long time. I've been hearing that the courses were definitely <laughs> class one and, uh, and and class three were pretty tough. Uh, I hope so. As the, the organizer, uh, that makes me smile. That makes me happy because mm. that's exactly what I think it should be. Like I said in the beginning, this is this is our Super Bowl. This is our 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 one national level event that that puts us sort of in a placing against each other. It tells you who the best in the nation is for that year. Right. And it, if you don't have hard courses, then it's a lot harder to differentiate the the good from the best, if you will. And okay. to me, like class one was the worst. Class one. I don't know what the percentage was. Somebody told me, but there was there was one class, one course, and it just so happens it was built by Vegas that had the highest DNF rate. Did not do not finish rate. Right. And yeah. it, to me, you need that one that one course all three days because it's it's a different ball game going into a course that hard, no matter how good you are of a driver, because it just it 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 can play with your head psychologically, and then it it 
when you're pushing the limit that hard on time, on points, on keeping your rig together, it tends to mess with everybody a little differently. And it, it's a, a part of the the competition that I don't think is pushed enough. And I hate the other side of the story because you go always every year, you've got so many new guys that come out. Ben Morin of Toyzuki told it to me best this past year that I've ever heard it. He can name guys from the last four or five scale nationals that would not be in this hobby if it wasn't for scale nationals coming to their area. Like they literally are only in the hobby because scale nationals was hosted locally. They came out to check it out and got hooked. And I love that, but it's a, you, you walk a thin line as a course builder and organizer and, and whatever, when it comes to the courses, cause you got these new guys that you don't want to discourage, but at the same time, it's trying to get them to understand that, but you have two courses that are, are technical, but definitely not, not super hard. Then you got one that's, that's really technical and getting into the weeds. And then you got one that's just devastating. You got one that is only going to be finished by a very small handful. And it, it, I think that helps us as a competitive group just get into the weeds and figure out who is the best of the best. Because there is a lot of guys out there that I even tell you that they do better on those courses. The courses that are just ridiculously hard, close to impossible courses, they do better at them. The harder the course, the better, because it just it, how their brain works and how their mindset works. And how they play the the game of tiny trucks, it it, it helps them. Right. So, so it's it's coming down to to driver skill. Well, it, it always is driver skill. Yeah. I mean, if it's an easy course, it's just a matter of the time is sorting people out. Whereas you're actually getting the course to sort people out to a certain degree. I, I think it's it's that's again Ben Morin. I think was the first one that ever told it to me. Sorka and cone dodging isn't. It's a game of chess, not checkers, because you have to juggle all these different aspects. You have to juggle your time and your time on course and how much you have left. You only got six minutes on the course. So if you're at four minutes at gate four, okay, you're behind. You know this. You got you to gotta play with it. And okay, let's, let's say you're at four minutes at gate four. How many points do I have left? Because you only got 60 points until you point out. So once you hit 60 points and penalties, you're done anyway. So, okay, I'm at gate four with four minutes down. I've got, I've only got 10 points. Okay, well, this next gate is super hard. Why am I even going to waste the time to do it? Let's just take this gate and carry on with life because I'm running out of time. And then, and then you throw the skill aspect of, okay, how good of a driver are you? Um, how good of a winch user are you? Because that is part of, of scale driving is, I know it's controversial for a lot of people, but it's, to me, that's part of the game is how well you can use that winch, how quick you can use that winch. What kind of crazy stuff can you make the rig do with that winch? And then, of course, rig building is the last piece of the puzzle and having your scale points to, to make sure you're, you're not handicapping yourself against everybody else and so on and so forth. And it's, it's that, that game of chess of, of playing with all those little pieces and making sure everything's in the right place. And a lot of times it'll catch even us old guys out because you'll, you won't turn your brain on to start doing it. You're just out having fun. So then you're halfway through the course. You realize you're only got 15 points left, two minutes left. And you're like, I just screwed myself. I, I did this to myself because I wasn't playing the game. And the guys that the top five, they, they know to turn their brain on. They know to play that, that, that chess game from the get-go. Because if you don't, it, it's not going to work out. Right. There's a sort of moving strategy. I mean, it can change yeah. from one gate to the next. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Are all the courses six minute time bands? Yep. They're they're all they're all six minute courses. Even the finals course, six minute, and then they're all always sixty point out. So once you hit sixty point and penalties, you're done. It used to be when I first got into hobby, it was eight minutes and 80 points. And basically we just courses start getting harder over the years because rigs have gotten better. And also we've gotten more people. So it's it, at some point, the logistics of the event itself in trying to get how many people you can get through how many courses in such amount of time. I mean, you could do the math. And if you got a six minute course, it's probably going to take that person eight to 10 minutes to actually run because they got to, even though we tell them at driver's meeting, Hey, have your stuff ready to go, blah, blah, blah. Not everybody does. It's just the, the nature of human. So you start doing the math on it and you start running out of daylight quick. <laughs> so 
how do you evaluate a course to, so that you know that it's going to last six minutes? As a course builder myself, I tend to try, at least especially with my local guys, I try to screw with them. And I try to make, they, they call them G6 courses because they're that long. Um, I try to push the limits of that time limit because that's, I naturally, because of the guys that have sort of taught me and rubbed off on me over the years, I naturally uh, go drive really fast, especially between gates. Yeah. So I know what I can do. Well, I feel like I know what I can do, but I've made courses that even stuff myself. So, I mean, it's, it's somewhat of a dice roll, but it, I don't, that, that's a hard one. Cause it's, it, as soon as I say that, I know what I'm doing, I'm going to, the next course I go build, I'm going to go stuff all of us and we're all going to be mad at it because <laughs> it is what it is. But as soon as you build a course that you think is undoable, somebody in this nation will come along and, and do it. I mean, the Bill's one of the best ones. Shout out to him for for taking best, yeah, best overall driver of the weekend. I've watched that guy drive over the last year that he's been into the scalers, two years that he's been into scalers. And it amazes me the things he can do and how he can do them from crazy angles. He's I gotta be right behind the rig when I do things. He's he's all over the place. So he won class he won one, one and then I think he got second in class two and class three and because the guy that won class two and class three was not in the top five even for class one is what bumped him overall in the standings for best overall driver yeah wow but yeah it's i i leave that part all that kind of stuff up to the other guys i was like i'm not doing scores uh no hillbilly don't do math <laughs> i'll let you i'll let y'all figure that part out y'all just tell me who i'm giving trophies to <laughs> but, For if you have 80 people how many judges do you have on a day running the courses not enough ever that was that was our that was actually our biggest hindrance of the weekend just because of i think covid first falling out and then anytime you do any type of event from RC crawling, a marathon to a basketball game, mm. you're going to have like uh, somewhere. I think they say the, the, the number is 15 percent of what you'll have fall out and not show. We had at one point right around 40 judges a day. And I don't even know what we I never counted the weekend of because it wasn't enough. There was myself, one of the other locals. And then Preet, if he ever listens to this, and Dooley was another one that I can remember that those guys just stepped up and started judging. And like I had to take the clipboard from Preet on Sunday. He was, it was, it was probably one o'clock. It looked like we were down to maybe, I don't know, three or four heads, a course left. Like we're that close to being done. And I'm like, he's judging. And I was like, hey, Preet, are, have you driven? He's like, no, I haven't even driven today. I'm like, give me that clipboard. Go. Go drive. Um, no, man, go have some fun. I, I appreciate it. But and then it was the same thing on Sunday or uh, Friday. Excuse me. I there just so happened that one of the judges, bless his heart, halfway to, to Vegas, he had to turn around and go back home because of family emergency. Thankfully, uh -huh. everything. Thankfully, everything was all right for him. But right. it he the the time slot he was supposed to be judging. There was nobody on that course. So I ran over there, grabbed the clipboard. I think I got two people through and some. At the time, because I'm still getting faces to names with a lot of people, some random person came up and started taking a clipboard from me. I'm like, what, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, I'll, I'll judge. You got better. I'm sure you got better things to do. And I'm like, man, this is the calmest I've been all weekend. No, I want to leave me alone. Go get the other clipboard. Give me another 10 minutes. Give me some peace and quiet. Because I actually, <laughs> I, I enjoy judging at times. I enjoy being able to, to watch different people run. And then there's always, like I said, there's always new guys. Uh, most judges, we try to stay tight lipped and not because a, a lot of us have a tendency to spot for you and it's not right. the judge's job. Yeah. The judge is there to judge. But when it's a brand new guy, like you could tell right off the bat, you're going to have problems finishing this, bud. I, I can't help but try to help him kind of idea. And yes. it's, it, it's just fun to watch the, the course evolve, if you will, because the course doesn't really change, you hope, as long as it's built good. But it, the, the lines do evolve. Because it's, of course, people learn different things as they go and it's different people's mindset and ideas as the day goes on. So it's like Saturday was a good one for that because I was judging all day Saturday. So I, I got to see a lot of people through a lot of courses and it was it was it was fun. Yeah. Now, one, one of the differences that it seems to me on the on the West Coast, you guys use the winch sticks which is not so common on the East Coast. The way that started way back in the day, when I first started, you had to carry a rig around. Your spotter had to carry a, uh, his rig around. So you're driving your rig, your spotter's carrying their rig. And granted, back then, I don't think 
anybody knew what a four pound rig was. I don't even think anybody knew what a five pound rig were back then. The rigs were at least eight, eight pounds, probably floating around for the most part. So you were carrying that around and everybody, I don't know how to say it without, I'm going to rub somebody the wrong way, but it is what it is. You try to be as scale as you can be, as everybody keeps saying, it wants to be realistic. Well, when you winch off of another truck, because if that truck moves that you're winching off of, it's, it's a penalty against the driver. It cannot move. So we would sit on the rigs and it's like, okay, that's no more scale than anything else because you got this giant hand of God, whatever you want to call it, sitting on a rig. You can't even see the rig. It's in between your legs, so it can't move. And it also just, it was a pain in the butt because you would have so many people, usually the new guys, they didn't have a spotter. They would just be out there for the day having fun. The guy would go to pull a winch cable or whatever, a winch line, and the judge would sort of be sitting there looking, well, where's your spotter? Where's the where's the rig? I, I think, I don't want to get it wrong, but I want to say Arizona was one of the first to come up with it. Arizona and then Colorado were the first two to come up with it. It was two different ways. Arizona was a little one-by-one one with a handle that was down on the rock, more on the level of a, of a rig. And then Colorado came up with, I, I believe, came up with the, the winch stick that was just, it was an easier item. Granted, it doesn't look all that nice, but like I said, we're, we were coming from sitting on top of rig, so it really didn't matter what it looked like. You take a picture, you probably didn't take a picture of the, the opposite rig anyway, but. <laughs> yeah, sorry. No, that's fine. Yeah, no. So, I mean, but, yeah, I mean, it makes a, a sense. It, it gives you a good repeatable. anchor point. And I mean, otherwise yeah. you'd have to, you know, carry a, a sort of a, a quiver of land hooks and bits and pieces as well. So, I mean, in competition, yeah. given the speed and the, and the time you're moving at, it does have an ability. Yeah. And it's, I don't know, it's it's just sort of evolved with the hobby and with this side of, of cone dodging. And anywhere I go where they, they want me to, to winch off a of natural terrain, I just don't winch. I'll, I'll take a gate over it because it's, there is no, I've never been anywhere where there's a consistent availability of that type of rock to, to be able to grab even a, a good sharp fish hook into the rock. I just don't do it. Whereas if you give me a winch stick, we do these things called pendulum winches that everybody, <laughs> I've seen so many Facebook arguments over it. It makes me laugh because I saw pendulum winching on full-size rigs when I was stationed in Europe doing one-to-one uh, -one competitions where they would actually go from either a front or a rear or for the, the Europe guys, they even have centered winches. And it, it basically runs the line out to another rig to come along or to a tree strap or something like that and then back to the same rig to where it will – pull the front the back the side it'll pull the rig over and i've even had to do it myself to to pull a rig that was stuck on a hill it went too far left and when it came down it sat on a tree so obviously the rig needed to come back to the right so it could get off the tree and it's everybody's like oh it's not scale you don't winch off the the top of a roll bar and yeah yeah the europe guys do they do some crazy stuff yeah. because that's that's their area of expertise is more winching than driving and it's just the, how their events have evolved over the years, whereas the U.S. with King of the Hammers and, and going faster and We Rock. But, I mean, We Rock has its own. <laughs> they might not use winch hooks, but they use uh, ski, ski straps. And the, the spotter actually hangs on the, the rig with a ski rope to level the rig out or to keep the, the little single-seater buggy from rolling down a hill. <laughs> well, I obviously can't do that with my scale rig because I'm way stronger. It won't ever roll over. I'll pull that rig. You know what I mean? So it's 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 a fine line. I to me the 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 witch sticks are they're fine. They they serve a purpose. Like I said, you don't you're not gonna take a picture with the the full winch line in play anyway because you're looking at what the rig can do. So it is what it is. No, I, I think you can't have it both ways. If you're running to a timed event, it would seem tough. I mean, in real life, to set up, you know, straps and a come along and you know, snatch block. I mean, it takes time, and you well, don't have that in a competition. You know, it go it goes back to your your last question of uh, are all courses six minutes? It when they used to be eight minutes, it's it was cool to sort of see how the, the, the hobby has progressed. Like I said, it used to be an eight minute course. So a winch is three point penalty. A rollover is a five point penalty. When you had eight minutes, nobody would hand a God roll over the rig for five points. They would pull the winch cable out and winch themselves back over for three points to save themselves at two points. 
And now you, it is very rare to see somebody winch themselves back over because of the time it's, it's sort of how things have evolved. And it's, to me, that that's sort of cool. And it's, it's a neat aspect down history lane, if you will. But again, it's, it's a time aspect and it's the repeatability aspect. And you can see a winch stick and know that it's not moving and know that the the spotter's not pulling the rig and assisting the rig. He's just holding it. Whereas a rig tucked into your, in between your legs, you can't see what that rig's doing. Stuff like that. It's just, it's easier to judge a lot of times. I think it's fine, but I know a lot of people, a lot of people moan about it. (laughs) Well, I suppose, as you say, I mean, things are evolving and, and if, and I, I do think the time makes the event interest. I mean, I'm amazed. It does make the event very interesting because it makes it puts pressure on how you transfer from one gate to the next. And I'm always amazed at how fast in the nationals, how fast a lot of those people drive between the gates. Oh, I mean, yeah. It's- they, they are obviously they have to to keep their time down but it, it does make for a, a, a more dynamic event i think oh yeah it's like i said that's what's the best part to me of of the final five and the final yeah. forces is being able to to watch them all do that and that's another one props in the bill again because that that big boy is not running that big boy is not moving fast his his ankles just won't let him do it i mean he had either knee or ankle surgery this past year and it, he ain't going fast, but that rig will if he needs to. But I've watched him stay calm and cool and collective, whereas I'm sitting there knowing that me as a driver, I'm going to be NASCAR racing between these gates. And he's just, nope, takes his time, does his thing, mm-hmm. picks in, is very, very uh, precise with it and carries on. And it's, it's, I love seeing the different styles of driving and all that to it. It's, it is definitely yeah. cool to watch. The class two and uh, was watching Ikaika run, and I mean he was he finished with just five seconds on the clock. Mm-hmm. I mean, and he he didn't have a bad run either. You know, I mean that was that, that was, was that measured out pretty well. That was something else. What the heck did you ask me? No, no we were just talking about the the fact that Ikaika had run that class two course. I think it was the finals, wasn't it? He only had five seconds on the clock. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, the timing of your your six-minute allowance on your course design was... So that was something else that the guy is being the the organizer and with me and Scott being the ones in charge, I knew I couldn't do it all. So I I got to pick on people to say, hey, will you build a finals course? Hey, will you help my my guys do a finals course on each day or this, that, and the other? And I got asked every single day, well, what kind of course do you want? I'm like, I want hard. It's the top five. This is the best five guys in the nation i want them challenged i don't want you to like break the rig in half i don't want it to be just obliterating hard but i i want it to be a challenge i think it was saturday no su- uh, sunday it was right when the the guys came up to me bad man one of the guys from washington came up and sort of running his fingers like like dr evil he said can i can i, can I build the finals course again today can i build the finals course again today and i'm like sure skippy you can yes sir he's like what do you what do you, what do we want and i was like i i want at least two guys a dnf i mean if you want me to rate the, the level of hardness because that sort of was the going rate i want to say class one had one or two guys dnf on the finals and i i can't remember class two and then class three i wasn't there I had to go set up for awards but bad man ran up to me when he got there and he was like two guys two guys dnf and i was like perfect i mean i think to me that's that's the level of difficulty that it being our super bowl it lets us push and the 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 flip side i like new mexico i was fortunate enough to do the the finals course for class three and then me and a buddy brian muzzy we got to, to judge it since we built it. We did the opposite. We rolled it back. All four courses for class three that year were just super hard. They were really hard courses. And I want to say two of the courses had like really high DNF rates. So walking down to the rock, we were sort of talking amongst ourselves. And it was like, do we need a super hard course? We just had four of them. Should we let, what do, what do we do? Super technical. I mean, pretty easy for the top five. Let's, let's have a break kind of idea. And we went that way. I mean, it's, it had, you got 10, 10 gates, three bonuses. I think we did, uh, I think we were shooting for seven super technical, but not super hard. Just you had to do it a certain way to do it. But once you did it, it was sort of a walk in the park and it was 
wasn't a huge foot race in between gates and stuff like that. Wasn't any crazy, super crazy winching in it. Just that, okay, if, if, if these top five screw up, okay, you could change a spot. But at the same time, you just got done having the, the fight of your life on those four courses. Let's sort of have a relaxing fun time for all <laughs> of us, I guess you could say, at finals. So, I, I mean, I've seen it go both ways. I, I even enjoy a harder course myself. Yeah, I wasn't too sure, but I think, you know, talking to you and a few others, I, I can see it makes more sense that, that it should test everybody that i mean it's because you say if, if you try and elevate it to a to be like a final or, or a culmination of a year's events it should be the tough course there's not there's no sport most sports don't have the easy courses as their final they pick a tough one you know i mean it's just it is it is what it is so it's uh and there's 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 a lot of people that agree with you and there's being on the the scale rules committee i've heard it both ways there's a lot of people that think it should be those super hard courses are they they have no business in a hobby if you will and i think too many people get the idea of well i had a hard time on it i don't like that course because it's so hard all Mm -hmm. right well this this course isn't here for you this course is here for all of us to to, to separate the best from the the good so it, it it works out and that's why to me i told the guys building them i even i tried my hardest to be like hey you're going to build a super hard course today. A lot of it just came down to knowing the style of builders I had available to me and knowing that, okay, this guy was going to go build a real technical course. This guy's course was going to be, eh, it'll be all right. It'll be, it'll be a good middle of the ground course. That one's going to be the hard one. Yeah. And it was, it was usually a good dice roll and I knew what I was going into. And that was the the nicety being able to pick them. I don't know. It's depending on the, the location for nationals. I've seen it done both ways. I've seen it where all three classes worth of courses get built on the Thursday before. And then for us, we couldn't do that. We had to do it uh, each morning of, you had to build that day's courses just because there was no way I had the spot so far apart from say class one to class two, there was no way I could have known if somebody was down in the class two spot on class one day, basically running the courses and this, that, and the other. So it was just easier to do it the morning of. Yeah. And also something you said earlier, you, you have to allow for is the, the rigs are getting better. You know, I mean, just, just like as in, in full scale, as the ability of vehicles, they get more, they're more capable, they're faster. You know, you have to reinvent the courses. Perhaps, you know, motocross, ultra four, courses that they run now, you know, you maybe wouldn't even thought of running five, six years ago. The vehicles are so much better and, and getting, and still getting better. Yeah, because- I think we've hit, I think we sort of hit a, I don't want to say plateau, but we've, we've sort of hit a, a stopping point for ability in the rigs. There's definitely, at least me, there's a lot of people that argue with me, but I guess it's some of those great campfire debates. There's a definite difference between the classes capability wise. And then if you throw into the mix, the rest of the RC world, you, you throw in the, the comp crawlers, there's a definite difference in ability as you step from scalers to, to the comp crawler world. And to me, we need that. We need that difference. As somebody that wants as much performance as I can ever shake a stick at in my rigs, I'm always going to be chasing, uh, say, an MOA rig with all my scale rigs, trying to make them be able to do the same things a, an MOA rig will do. And it's it's never going to be a, a perfect swap over from, say, class two or class three to an MOA rig, because, I mean, let's face it, you can turn it on and turn a motor off on a rear axle is almost on the level of cheating compared to four way steer or a regular mechanical dig. You, you're never going to quite get there if you can pull some of the same lines and you can keep up with it or you can find a different way through the course of the same course. There's always different ways. And I think uh, uh, one of the big things is over the last couple of years, winches. I mean, 10 years ago, we were all using, say, a RC four-wheel drive Gale winch, and they're only so strong and only so fast. And nowadays, you've got countless options for servo winches that just, the winch stick is a three-quarter to, to five-eighths wooden dowel, and you watch that thing bow. The, I mean, these servos winches are so strong and some of them are so fast that it really ups the game and gives you the ability of what you could do. Because a lot yes. of people, a lot of people look at some of the, the harder courses. Oh, you can't do that. Well, I mean, you could do just about anything with a winch. I mean, literally, you can almost do anything. I've seen guys pull crazy lines just because of that win. So it's 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 definitely up the game. It's made us all have to stop and think, become better overall drivers. 
with the advances, if you're saying that you think the rigs are getting to their sort of peak, if you like, do you feel that the, the push for comp rigs being so capable, are you missing out on the beginners, on people trying to get into the sport? Or do you think that's, that's for class one? Class one will always be the hardest class there is to me because somebody asked me at nationals about that also because they made the comment that class one's course was so hard was so gnarly and i was like well you gotta you gotta stop and think for a minute you you're taking a rig that is already handicapped with as many scale points as possible on smaller tires it's supposed to be the least capable just because of how it's designed of the three classes and you're trying to make it do things that are on par with sometimes class three so two steps above it if you're, you're talking about on a hard course so it to me that one's is usually the hardest to drive but when it comes to the new guys i think that comes more down to the the local levels the city levels yeah. the the clubs because it's like with my guys we build two courses every course is two courses if you will so we'll have uh tennis balls and racquetballs as a as a judge i've got like a group of seven guys we do three courses in a day they go out and build their course and as they build say our course something we want to drive they then use the the other colored balls to right beside gate five they make it easier gate five and then same on and so on and so forth with the, the rest of the gates so that way it's basically it's a it's a an easy setup and a, a not super hard because it's hard to get it's taken us a, almost a full season to get used to doing that and finding gates where you're basically looking for two gates side by side so it's not a walk in the park next to super hard but at least something technical next to something not so technical if you will and I think that is, at least for our local guys, they've loved it they, because not only are they they getting somewhat of a, an easier course that they know is, is much more tuned to their levels of expertise, they're looking at what we do right next to it. And they're looking and seeing, okay, and a lot of them afterwards, as soon as they're done with the course, they'll, they don't even unplug their battery. They wait until the next guy gets past whatever gate they thought looked cool, but wasn't for, it was for us as the judges, not for them. And then they're, they're over there trying to play on it. They're over there trying to figure it out. Two or three courses that are just for the judges. So we really just cut loose and build the, the nationals style hard course. And a lot of the guys will stick around and watch that. And they're just going, what? How do you, the, the, how are you going to drive this? I don't, you're on the side of a hill and it's going to be hanging out. I was like, you just wait, watch. There's going to be some winch cable pulled today. <laughs> Stuff like that. And it's, it's always a giggle. It's a fun time. Yeah. Do you think there should be a place for like a stock class? There's been talk of that over the last uh, two or three years. The problem with stock class, and it's, it's just sort of my opinion, if you will, is nobody wants a stock rig. Everybody that ever bought a rig, they buy a rig and they sure. want to upgrade it. They want to modify it. And to, to have a true stock class, if you will, there's got to be a line drawn in the sand somewhere. Right. And I think it's going to it's going to annoy people here and there. Like to me, I, I think once you're you're at the, the level of of traveling to nationals and doing it, I tell guys just just go and have fun. We all want to be competitive, but we've also got to be honest with ourselves. Are you, are you and I really going to be at top 10, top five? Like, okay, then stop, stop worrying about it. Just go and have fun. Don't look at the scale points. Don't look at the, the video from last year and, and see what the, the latest and greatest was and all this. Stop. Just go. You've been driving your rig for however long you've had it. You know what it's going to do. Oh, JJ, but it's only 30 points and I need 50. Who cares? You stop trying to win when you know you're not going to win. Just go and have fun. Go experience it. Yeah. Go see what everybody else does. Because it's it's one thing to watch the videos, but it's another thing to be there watching it and be next to it and see the guys do it. It's it's a whole other ballgame. Yeah. And a lot of times when guys do that, they get bit. They, they, they get sucked in. Like even my local guys that didn't come to nationals or only got to come out to nationals for a day and, and sort of stand on the satellites and watch, they, you get bit real quick. The only part of the, the only part that, that then in turn plays is your pocketbook because it's, you can either like any hobby, you could dump a ton of money into it at once, or you can start at the bottom and, and work your way up. But it, a lot of it just comes down to, to how deep down the rabbit hole you want to go. But right. I mean, it, to me, if you just go out and have fun, it, it, if you're going to go down the rabbit hole, cause like for say scale points, for instance, my local guys, I don't run all that for them. There's no reason to, to, to get that deep into the rules. I mean, some of the guys know the rules. I mean, heck, one of my young guys, he tells me all the time, JJ, 
I, I study the rules more than I study for my, my school exams. And I just think, all right, well, first of all, study for your exams. Second of all, okay, well, I'm going to get you to recite the rules to me when I can't remember them next time. <laughs> but it's worth getting into if you're going to do a lot of traveling and go have fun. So that way you can judge yourself at the end of the day yeah. on the grand scheme of things. But it's it's not needed. It's something that if you're just looking to have fun, it's not really, to me, it shouldn't be that big of a deal. Just yeah. just go out and have it. It's just like racing. If you go out to the, the RC racetracks, you're not going to buy the top of the line rig. You're not going to have the top of the line tuner tune it. You're not going to buy the top of the line electronics. You're just sure. going to buy what you can grab or what you can even, not necessarily afford, but what you can get your hands on. Right. I mean, yeah. heck, especially since COVID, everything's in stock, out of stock, in stock, out of stock. Yeah. So it, it, to me, it's the same idea. Just go have a giggle, see what yeah. happens. So what would be your advice to people that uh, haven't done a competition? What's the, what would you, your idea, what process should they use to get themselves into competition or to get, you know, oh, to get a feel get into, for that, for crawling. To get into the hobby, basically, that's out yeah. of the hobby. Find one and go, just go. Uh, most of the guys I know that have been doing this long enough are run, they're, they're also guys that run their local scenes, run their local clubs, run their local comp. They've all got the same mentality. We will hand you a remote. I'm not going to give you my remote and a set of batteries every weekend, but I mean, especially if, if it's the first time you've ever been out, if your rig breaks, if you just haven't ever driven a pure comp style scale rig, I will give you my remote in a heartbeat and let you go run it all day long. I will give you all my batteries and say, here, have at it. All of us judges, at least for Vegas, and like I said, everybody I've ever known to run their local scene or any of the, the old hands in the hobby have always been the same way. That's sort of where I got the mentality from. Yeah. Um, are the same way they're, they're gonna they're, here, have a, have a giggle, go, go see what it can do because that's how I get you hooked. Like that's, it's, it's sort of like getting that, that first taste of, Oh man. Okay. I didn't realize I could get this much steering is usually the first thing you hear because most of us, us comp guys know you can't, you can't live without steering. So we push it to the extreme max and it's, it's a whole nother ball game when you got all this steering and just little things like that. Uh, it, it's, it's definitely, I have had guys come and ask me, okay, where's the line between a pure comp rig and a ready to run and be like, okay, how do I, how do I get this as far as I can get it? How do I get a ready to run as far as I can go without having to spend all the money on that? And there's definitely ways to do it. Uh, it's just a question of, of where and where you put the money basically. But right. it's, it also just comes down to find a comp. Find a comp, go out and have fun. And I don't care if it's scalers or comp It's We run both here in Vegas, and I have the same mentality with both. It's, there, I have had so many guys come out, especially the comp ones, uh, the comp rigs, like with the sporty, sporty class or MOA class. And MOA is a little harder to explain to somebody because you got all the extra switches. But right. a, a sporty is probably the easiest thing to hand somebody and just be like, here, go. And I'll even – they don't even understand the rules and I'll just, I'll spot for them as I'm judging them. like here, here's gate one. So you're going to come way around here and I'll line them up and do all that jazz. And especially when you got somebody spotting for you that knows the course knows that rig. Cause it's my rig. I'm at least halfway decent at doing both. So I, I hope so I, it, when they have that much capabilities in their hand and that little bit of help, it's, it, they get hooked real quick. Yeah is a question of whether or not their pocketbooks can live with them after they go home and look at the prices <laughs> on a lot of it no it is yeah i can understand that aspect of it it's definitely you know i think you're right on one of when you said that you know a lot of people like to upgrade there is a natural tendency to try and personalize or put your own yeah. touches oh, to something and try and make a difference so yeah i think it's a big part of it so well, I know for me, I want, I want the rigs done. I, I don't, I don't want to modify them anymore. <laughs> I want them done and figured out to where I can just, I, before every comp, I check all the screws, I, I make sure everything works. All right, we're good to go. And then uh, once run. in the middle of the season and once at the end of the season, tear it apart, clean it all up, uh, regrease it. And all right, we're good to go. But it's, <laughs> it's definitely, it's taken oh, 12 years, 15 years in a hobby, somewhere around there. I'd have to stop and do the math to really think about it. But somewhere around in there, since I started playing this game and it's taken that long to get there. <laughs> Gave me progress. Well, I'm glad you stuck with it. And I mean, I think uh, 
I think you did a great job bringing the scale nationals around. I mean, that's an awful lot of hurdles to overtake. And uh, I, I appreciate it. It was definitely, like I said, it was a long, strange trip, but I would do it again in a heartbeat. It was, it it was just so much fun watching other people come play on your rock for one Um, scale nationals is such a big event uh, that attracts a lot of, a lot of people. And I know at least, at least local, I don't want to, by local, I don't just mean Vegas, I mean West Coast local. Um, Cali has had a big surge in the last two years with clubs and groups dodging cones and, and getting into the circle way of doing things. So seeing the, the, those guys come out, um, not only were they a huge help, they were helping clean up every day. Um, oh, that's nice. The pick, yeah, to pick stuff yeah. up and this, that, and the other. That it just it blew my mind. But it also it watching them have fun, watching guys that you you go and cop with next state over, if you will, next city over, and then have watching their face light up because they know they're on the the the, the big stage. They're on the national level. Uh, one of those guys even made it to the uh, finals course on Saturday for class two. So it was it's, it's seeing all that. It, it's something that you you can't it's memories you can't take away and that's the part of the hobby that like i said with the friends and the memories i love that part more than any finals course i've ever been to or any trophy i've ever won that part of the hobby is is growing memories and friendships for a lifetime that you're never going to (laughs) lose that's a great way to think of it that's a nice way to sign off on that i think it's uh so i really appreciate your time jason and and sharing your thoughts with us and your all the issues you had um and uh i wish you all success in the future for you know you've already said you'll do it again so i was going to ask you if it, after all that if you do it again but you, you really you beat me to that one so that's uh... <laughs> <laughs> i will i will say uh for everybody that listens huge shout out to all my local guys without them it wouldn't have happened uh the, there's a core group of like seven of us vegas boys they put up with me and scott asking and well it was at come the weekend of there's a lot less a lot more telling and a lot less asking need this need that need this need that and they never skipped a beat they never bothered um like i said we were short-handed all weekend on judges and the guys that stepped up and did judge i i'll never be able to thank you enough because it literally that's like the biggest thankless job of any competition yeah and people like preet and and Dooley that stepped up and did it and then like i said like the 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 Vico boys down in Cali, they, they stepped up huge and just, I turned around one day and they were like, Oh, Oh, by the way, we're unloading all the stuff from the, the courses out of our truck here. I, I thought I was going to have to go pick that up in an hour. I thank you so much. I don't have to deal with that now. So it, the, the, the list of thank yous to all those guys, I'll never be able to sell them. Thank you enough. And like I said, with the, the sponsors, the, they all stuck with us for that year. And I, a year long of having, that much RC stuff in boxes up in my 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 loft. It, it staring at me every day. It, it was crazy. And then putting yeah. it all out on the tables, like I said, it was like 12, 14 tables long full of stuff that we gave out. So huge thank you to all those guys. And then of course Scott for putting up with my hillbilly attitude all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of the name for next year's, but it's already the spot's already been announced for down south in Alabama at, hopefully I'm saying it right, Cherokee Rock, I think is the name of the location. Are you going to go? Oh, definitely. I hate flying with RC plane or RC cars because it's just a it's a pain in the butt in my opinion, but I'll figure it out. I've only done it <laughs> one other time, but I will find a way. Well, a real big thanks to Jason Johnson for taking the time to talk to me today and to everyone following our podcast series. As things get back to normal, I think we are all looking forward to more RC events ahead. Thank you all for listening, and don't forget to let us know what you think. You can find us at RC Truck Talk on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And when you are not listening to us, I hope you are making time to get a little dirt on those tyres. This episode was written and produced by me, Nigel Ems, in conjunction with Lee Street Productions. Music is by Crowanda, additional soundtracks, by KHON2 and Harley Designs.